Hello and welcome to The Paper Crane, a podcast from Codes in the Clouds and a Misspent Youth Productions. We are Codes in the Clouds. My name is Joe. I'm Steve. I'm Jack. And I'm Kieran. And this week, Joe and I chatted to Jay Chakravorty. Yes. Jay Chakravorty facts. (laughs) Straight Straight in. in. (laughs) Love it. He interrupts himself. Jay Chakravorty (laughs) is a multi-instrumentalist composer from London in the UK. Yes. His debut un- album under his own name was released in 2021 on Unperceived Records. It was. Yes. Fact. Not only does he compose music for himself, but he also writes music for TV, films, and is also a live session musician in a number of incredible bands. Tell us mm. something we don't know. In 2021, <laughs> Jay was awarded funds from three major arts bodies in the UK, Help Musicians, mm. the PRS Foundation, and Arts Council England to help push his music to wider audiences. Let's go. Lovely facts. He's he's bidding for things, he's getting things. Fair play. Yeah. And I think if you are a listener and you are an artist, that is really interesting and useful to know about those funds that you can access. So I I assume a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are musicians. Yeah. It's definitely useful to know. If you're looking out for funding and you are a musician, listen to this. Check out, find those URLs. I mean, he's a bit selfish. Three places he's been funded by not just yeah them. i mean it is i mean that's a joke at that point like you alluded to in the interview he's blatantly just driving around in a merc <laughs> yeah <laughs> reaping a fat mercedes this yeah, is all so so spoiler heavy for the interview <laughs> sorry that's a great point <laughs> <laughs> no more spoilers no more spoilers but what wasn't covered is my opinion of this album okay and it was a positive one i really like it <laughs> it's good the, album, uh, it? yeah the combo of like the modular synths and the strings i love that was so strange, so strangely put, Jack. You're you're going robot. This can't just be a, a podcast of four fact robots. Why was that? A I, fact robot? I like the way Jack talks. He says he says d- weird words in a weird order. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. <laughs> no, I love Jack. I don't, like ap- it. don't apologize. Don't apologize. <laughs> just the way I am, Steve. Come on, mate. <laughs> now you just say you don't like my very my very essence. Oh, Steve, say something nice about Jack's essence. Well. I've always said, I've always said I have an opinion on Jack's essence, and it's a positive <laughs> yeah. one. Oh, that's okay. I like it. That's go. good. That's good. That's good business. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to see how, like, session musicians though can like balance writing, recording, and their day job. But their day job is like touring in their own right for yeah. months on end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, we do talk about that as well as loads of other things. Um, I think Jay in this conversation made some brilliant and quite important points. Uh, certainly things that I think will be familiar to us as a touring band. Uh, and overall, Jay's just a really interesting and nice person. Yes, um, with that in mind, enjoy the show. Um, you you played uh, was it was it did you play in the Elgar rooms the other day? I did, yeah, yeah. How was that? It, it was it was fucking wicked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, um, yeah. James uh, James Heather asked me to like we'd never met and he just kind of out of the blue just kind of uh, texted me or messaged me and was like, I've got this gig next week. Do you fancy? Do you do you improvise on stuff? I was like, <laughs> sure. Like yeah, I guess. Like, what sort of stuff do you want? He was like, "What, what, what would you do?" So I ended up just doing like guitar through modular stuff, and like, it was great. 
it really, really worked. It that's was like, a lovely little. That's a lovely text to receive, isn't it? It was so just, good. Yeah, just like I'm come to the it. Albert Hall and just uh, knock out. Some... <laughs> you fancy like having a little improv? Yeah, but then, but then imagine having the confidence to then just go. Yeah. If I said no to that, it would be like in my head forever. Just like yeah, you you could have just done something really fun and you didn't because you were scared. Yeah, exactly, man. Like that's a bit like us when we turned down a support slot with Waitus. <laughs> that could have been lovely. It could have been amazing. <laughs> it, like the very worst thing that would happen is you'd have a funny little story about how everyone fucking hated you at this one week. <laughs> like, it's good enough, man. It's good. It would have hated us yeah, because that's... between every song, Joe would have played Teenage Dirtbag on the bass. I would have yeah. played Teenage Dirtbag. <laughs> I would have done. That's exactly what I would have done as well. <laughs> like in my head, I'm thinking like. Is there any way I would not do that? Or just <laughs> hum it constantly. So you're playing your songs, but like, just hum that song. But uh, so how's it been? How's the, uh, you put out the album, was it last year you put it out? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was one of those ones that I'd like, I'd had it done and like, ready to go. And then uh, the pandemic happened. And mm. just before the pandemic happened, I got, I got signed to um, my label in, in Germany. I was like, great. We get to like do this. I'll go get some gigs in. I'll probably go to Germany and do some gigs there because like uh, one of the songs is about Berlin and like I love Berlin and I'll go there and do stuff. And it's just like, oh yeah, I've I've got this album ready to go. Got it signed. I've, like it's been mixed and mastered and all that stuff. And now we're just gonna sit on it for like as long as possible. And it ended up being like we sat on it for like a year, year and a bit. Um. And then, yeah, it came out last year because it was just like, you know, we can't sit on this anymore. It's just, it has to go out now. This is just... So we released it, like, May last year, I think. And it went really well. It it was really difficult to not gig it. It was really difficult just to release something and be like, there you go then. Yeah. I'm just going to sit at home yeah, and, yeah. like, wait for something. I don't really know what. Just, like... I've done an album. But uh, uh, the thing I think is so mad is that we'd, considering where we were in like March 2020, is that we were we were on tour in February 2020 and we knew the word COVID-19. Mm. We'd heard that word used, but we were still allowed to leave the country. And so I was, so I was sessioning. Like I was, uh, I was in, I want to say Switzerland and it was March 2020. And when we came back, uh, like we we went over there and we saw people like wearing masks and stuff and we we're like well, that's never that's never going to like catch on in Britain no one's going to do that and then as we came back we heard that one of our our flight our back was like one of the last flights out because it was just like oh no they're shutting down now they are absolutely just like closing their borders so we we came back from that into London and we were like that was weird wasn't it like I think they're being a bit like paranoid about this because we'd all heard about like COVID nineteen or whatever but like. Yeah, we got back and two weeks later we were texting each other being like, oh shit, it's like real guys. It's like, there's this big yeah, thing man. happening apparently. But yeah. I, I know we've had, we must have had all the same conversations over the last couple of years. But I mean, we were, we were all just sort of going, that's swine flu, isn't it? It's bird flu. We're not, it's not, it's not real. Yeah, yeah. I've not worried about anything up till now. Why should I start worrying yeah. now? <laughs> Plus like, that's when everything did shut down and like that those first two months... I was legit like, oh, this is fucking great. Like I am, right. I am, oh, I well. need a break. Like, and I will not have one myself because I, I have that like freelance thing of like, I, I need mm. to work all the time. And if I'm not, 
then there's like I never I don't know where my next bit of work is coming from. Like that's a constant worry. So I I tend to just work all the time um, to the like detriment of my health. <laughs> Uh, so like the first month was just like this is great. I get to have like an enforced break. It's definitely not going to be more than a month, month and a half. So that's great. I'll get back to work any any day. <laughs> so now. definitely not going to be more than six back weeks. Fe- we'll be back for festival season. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Everything will be right as rain for like June. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I kind of like, those first two months, I was like, mm, this is so good. This is so good. And then month three rolled around. I was like, oh, this is less good. <laughs> and it just like it carried on like that I've yeah. got to be riffing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Riffing real soon. <laughs> oh man yeah, yeah so where is it you'd been uh, just before who were you touring with at that point uh, so that was um, Bride so I play uh, like uh-huh. bass and synths for Bride um, so yeah we'd done like I think it was just a one off I don't even think it was like a proper tour um, and yeah so they they invited us out and like like I was saying earlier, like just say yes to everything is my thing. Sure, <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. We'll come and we'll come and do a, a gig in Switzerland. Uh, and it was great. You know, there was no, it didn't feel like we were worried when we were there on stage or anything. It just occasionally you'd see like on the plane and stuff, you'd see people like wearing a mask. You'd be like, oh, all right. That's mm. interesting. Um, but yeah, like one of the last flights out. So that's so bonkers, man. Yeah. But uh, so what are you, are you touring at the moment then? So at the moment, uh, I've got. Well, at the moment, I'm in. Um, I'm in Bath. I've got um, gigs this week, for, like my own stuff. Um, on, I've got one in. Well, one tomorrow in in Bath, and then one on Friday in St George's in Bristol. Um, oh, nice. So yeah, so I'm kind of I hesitate to call it a tour because it's only two gigs, but it's two gigs we've in a row. It. We've done it. That's a yeah, tour. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that counts as a tour in my head. If you haven't gone home in between the gigs, that's a tour. <laughs> that's exactly Yeah, if you've yeah, not slept in your own bed. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, yeah. tour, basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I take, yeah, I'll take that. How is it playing your own stuff? Like, what do you prefer? Do you prefer playing your own stuff uh, live, uh, or do you prefer the writing process? Um, they're two, like, incredibly different things. I'm mm. kind of... So the the gig that I've got coming up in a couple of days' time, they they wanted either two forty five minute sets or one like fifty minute set with a um, a support act. So I was like, great, I'll I'll go for the support act and the fifty minute set. And then I realised that I've got thirty minutes of music I could do. So I've been like <laughs> massively like writing songs uh, over the last week. So I've got enough songs to play at this gig, which has really been a great help because it's like it's kicked start. It's kickstarted me writing like my second album, which I, I really need to do because otherwise I'll just rest on that first one forever. Sure. Um, so that's been really good, and I've written some stuff that I really really like. But I've been writing it with, like, playing it live in mind, and I've got a string trio. So when I play live, I have like synths, a piano, and uh, either a string quartet or a string trio or a string duo. But the strings are like as important as the piano or the synths. They're like. I write for strings essentially. So I've been writing with like a string trio in mind because I know I've got a string trio for these gigs. And yeah, it's it's really interesting having that in the back of my head because that's not what I have or not what I had uh, in the back of my head for my my first album. Uh that was just like it's all going to be string quartet, just write strings as best you can. I'd never written for strings before. I like oh, I wow, really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I I can't I couldn't uh read or write music. So I was like 
Love it. I'm in your club, but I would never have the confidence to write the album that you've written, which is really beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, again, I don't think it's confidence. I think it was just like, I want to write an album about this specific thing. No, it's not confidence. It's the gall. It's the absolute fucking sheer-faced gall of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do this and it's going to be fine. Uh, So, yeah, I literally had to teach myself how to like read and write music um, to write parts for a string quartet to play. And uh, those initial, like, scores that I gave them were, they were shit, but, like, (laughs) they had enough in it that I could sit with, so all the string players and my friends, I could sit with them and be like, in what specific ways is this score shit? And, like, how can I, like, get better at it? And since then, I've kind of, I've learned how to do it a bit better. Um, And I had some, I had some, like, much welcomed funding last year to help me do that as well, to, like, pay them to teach me to write scores better, basically. You Um, did? That's, that was amazing. So, like, you got funded by a few people, didn't you? I did. It was crazy. It was crazy. (laughs) So one of my friends, uh, the friend whose house I'm staying in, actually, one of my friends uh, has been saying for ages, apply for funding, Jay. Like, you, what you do, the music you make, the way that you want to do it, like, that's all fund worthy. Like, give it a go. And I've been saying for ages, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, it just seems like a lot of work and they're not really going to fund me and I'm just going to waste my time. And, and it's all it's all like fear based. Like, what if I do it? What sure, if I have my course. heart set on it and I don't get it? And he was just like, well, OK, you just you just need to do it. So this year, do it. And once I'd done so, I applied for um, Arts Council funding. And once mm-hmm. I'd done that, I was like, well, I'm on a roll now. I might as well apply for like um, PRS funding and help musician funding. And and there was another one as well that I can't remember the name of. It was like a discretionary fund thing. So I'm just going to apply to all of these things. And I just I spent two days just writing out application forms and just thinking like, oh, I fucking hate this. This feels like school. I really, really hate this. And then they all came in in one week. Like every single one I applied for came in. And suddenly I was just like, oh, yeah, I should have done this so long ago. In the, in the same week they all came in? Yeah, yeah. It was oh really gosh. weird. It was just like... I just go, they tell you like we'll get back to you to let you know if you're successful and they give you like this this like time frame and they just they all came in in like one week and I was like texting my friends just being like oh I just I got this funding this is amazing and then two days later oh I got this funding too and by the end of it I was like just embarrassed just literally embarrassed to have like <laughs> all this funding coming in and it was all for separate things and it's all things that like I desperately needed but um yeah that's great so so where does the money go then so does it go on is it like equipment or is it funding other musicians yeah i mean that's getting yourself a like a a mark or an audi (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good question so like i i had to apply for like various different things so like Mm -hmm. one of them like the the help musicians funding was just to make vinyl because because my album was released in the pandemic um my label got in touch with me and was like hey really sorry to do this to you um but like if you can't gig we can't really make loads of vinyl and just have it here because mm. like you sell way more at gigs than you do you yeah. know just on on Bandcamp or whatever so i was like yeah okay and so they they put some of that money towards like more pr and like stuff that labels do which was great like i have no problem with that whatsoever but then it got to the point where like okay i'm gonna start gigging this year i need like merch to sell so so I applied to help musicians literally to just to make vinyl. And that was great. That came through. The Arts Council funding was specifically to like help me write better score, uh, make my scores uh, playable for like 
string quartet, string trio, and string duo. So like, the the idea is basically if I go, I don't know if I if I go to Germany, if I go to Berlin, and and do gigs out there, I can just have local musicians. I don't have to take like my string musicians with me. I can have sure. local musicians, right, 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 give them score, and they'll be like, yes, this is legible. We're not going to make fun of you behind your back. Like that's all I want. So, yeah. so that was like that was the that was a whole bunch of funding from like Arts Council, um, and then the other stuff was for like other other little things as well. None of it was for like equipment. None of it was for some of it is to pay because like they're string players, they should be paid properly. Mm. Um, not that other players shouldn't be paid properly, but like it, it feels right to play to pay string sure. players, like you know. <laughs> Or anyone if you're a drummer, playing. be happy with the sandwich. If you're, yeah, if you're a drummer, <laughs> go fuck yourself. But if you play, <laughs> if you play a proper instrument, um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I, I kind of, I, I used a lot of that money to like pay the people that I was asking like how to, um, you know, write good scores. Um, it was it was used to pay them for their time um, because I basically just sat in front of them like a like an idiot, just being like, hey. I can, I can write scores to this level. I can understand music to this level. There's no nuance in these scores. There's no like, I have to. I had to talk through everything that I wanted. Um, whereas mm. you know, scores you can put that in the score and it, it'll make sense sure. to to string players. Um, which is a thing like nuance is a thing that I I am, <laughs> uh, I am late coming to. <laughs> sure. So yeah, that's a thing that I'm kind of, I'm putting in a lot of effort now with the scores to try and get them like when I want something to sound like feathery, I can, I can use the right words almost always in Italian to make them like do that. So it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a big old learning process, but yeah, it, it kind of, all those bits of money went off to do different things. Um, and I've, I've still got some of that funding that I'm like slowly spending on these gigs that I'm doing because frankly, it would be impossible to, it's impossible to tour with a string quartet, um, on the fees that venues want to pay you. So how did you uh, get into session music? I assume that you'd played an instrument before becoming a session musician uh, and were probably quite good at the instrument. What do you do next? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, uh, I play a bunch of different instruments. Um, I don't think I play any of them, like, incredibly well, but I play all of them absolutely fine. And (laughs) so... I, and I that's think all we want I, from you, Joe. Exactly. That's all anyone ever. I played for someone once, and on stage he said, um, I, "I was swapping an instrument. I think I put down a guitar and picked up like a mandolin or something." He, he's a folk artist, and he was like, he literally said to the audience, "That's Jay. He plays lots of different instruments. That's what he's for." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, actually, that's about right. That is about right." Um, so I was like, I, I played um, a bunch of different instruments, and like, I think some people knew that I, I played some instruments. And um, when I first moved to London, actually, I I met um, an artist called She Makes War, um, who's now called Penfriend, um, and she's great. And she, I think she had someone drop out. Uh, like, I played a gig with her, doing my own stuff, and she was doing her own stuff. And we got on really well at this gig. Um, and someone dropped out of an album launch, like, a week later. And so she literally just said to me, would you be able to learn, like, 15 songs uh, by next week I was like yeah I think so I think that'll be fine so I, I went and I did this gig for her uh, and it went really well you know it was it was I was just playing guitar so it was it was fine guitar is the instrument that I, I started playing like first uh-huh. it's, it's like my 
Uh, it's the instrument I find easiest, I think. Uh, so it was fine. It was absolutely fine. And then I think, like, she mentioned it to someone else, and maybe a month later I got a call from um, an artist called Gabby Young, and she was like, uh, our guitarist can't make these gigs abroad. Can you come and do it? So I was like, yep, yeah, fine, I did it. And then while I was there, she was like, do you play any other instruments? I was like, yeah, like a bit of piano, a bit of this and that. And I ended up playing like four or five different instruments for her for like, you know, maybe five or six years. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it, it kind of, it's been word of mouth. There was a thing, there was a thing early on um, where I decided if I'm going to session, if this is a thing I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to have some ethics to it. And I decided that I wasn't just going to play for like four straight white men, um, like play guitar in their band. Basically, like when I first started doing this, like I'm a brown man. When I first started doing this, I just did not see any other brown men doing this or brown women. I didn't see any brown people doing this. And I was like, okay, there has to be a way of like being visible, but not being like a token. So mm-hmm. I was like, so I started, and the first few acts I played for were all women. So I was like, okay, I think I can, I think I can kind of make that part of the thing that I do then. So I was like, I'm not going to play for just a, a bunch of straight white men. That's, that's the thing I'm going to do. And it turns out that was probably like an accidental good career move. Because people who are underrepresented, especially, I think, women talk to each other about who is okay to have in their band like if you're looking for like someone to play i don't know someone to play bass in your band um you kind of want to know that they're not going to be a creep or a dick it's the same with kind of queer people you 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 kind of want to know that they're going to be homo friendly and like that's like a really important thing and i suddenly found myself in this niche of like I only play for people of colour or women or queer people or all three. Like that's that's who I play for. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way. Like that's my favourite thing. And I think part of it is just because, you know, people talk. And, you know, they oh, should. Yeah. They absolutely should talk because there are creeps out there <laughs> in all kind of forms. Absolutely. And I I do think music is the music industry is ravaged with it. Certain certain genres more so than others, but basically, uh, men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of I mean, issue. that is exactly it. So I think I, I think like my career as a session musician has kind of come about specifically because I thought I was, I thought I was like shaving off half of the work I could possibly get. I thought I was just like, well, I won't, I won't say yes to any of those things. But what it turns out is I've never been offered any of those things. But the the, wow. uh, the idea that I I didn't want to do it I think has has like become this 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 career that I have now. Um, right. Yeah, it's like yeah, accidental. I do, that's something I've never really considered to be honest. When it comes to uh, session musicians, I think, but it's probably the most important thing is like, how's this person going to be on tour? Because if they're a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like. There's there's a, a two sides of the triangle thing that I apply to every job that I get. Uh, you it either pays really well, mm. you love the people, or you love the music. If there are right. two sides of that triangle, any any of those two sides, I'll do it. So if the people are dicks, but I get paid really well and the music's great, <laughs> fine, I'll suck it up. I'll suck it up and I'll do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> if it's any other way around, like I'll do it. And like I'm, I'm quite lucky. I, I, I've played for a lot of people. I have like all three sides of the triangle. But you know, it's it's a, a above all else, like it is a job, and I, I have to kind of sure you know sometimes make compromise. Um, but yeah, so that's the thing that I definitely apply. And I think if you are looking for session musicians, especially if you're going out on tour for like two three months. You want someone that you can be on tour with for two, three months. And it's going to get fractious because it does get fractious. Like, no matter what, no matter how nice everyone is and no matter how lovely... Like, you're two months in, you haven't slept, you're you're rocking up to a place where they maybe haven't, like, prepared as much as you, as you have prepared, essentially. And you're like, do you know what? I'm angry at everything today. And, like, that's going to match yeah, up with someone else in the vegan band. vegan food, yeah. I mean, I'm practically <laughs> vegan anyway, so that sounds like that sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> but you're gonna get angry, like you're gonna get annoyed. Of course you are. Of course you are. It's just whether you know nice people can get annoyed, and then it's like how you come back from that is 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 you know the important thing. If you're a dick and you're on tour, like there's no coming back from that. It's just like well, this is this is appalling for everyone. So yeah. I think when you're looking as a an artist for session musicians. Like, not only do you have to take into account, like, are they just going to be a dick? Are they arrogant? Are they, do they think of themselves first? But also, if you are a minority in some way, you have to know that that person that you've got on tour with you is not going to get drunk and say something that's slightly racist. And then just for the rest of the tour, you're going to be like, I mean, that guy's slightly racist, which has an effect on you. Or if you're a woman, you know... Not that, you know, some guy is going to creep on you all the time or it's just really important. Yeah. Uh, it's just those those uh, interpersonal dynamics. And like, I think if you're a, a, a minority, which is a term I hate and I keep using it. But I, I think if you are a minority, you, there are slightly more things you have to take into consideration to make sure you're going to be OK on at all. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've, I've, talk, I've spoken to kieran before in the past something i'd never realized about you know just when we're going on tour it's uh you know just checking what that country's like in terms of how they're going to be to people that aren't white that's honestly it's it's a really big thing and even so i mean even in this country there have been a few times i've been on tour in this country and we've been in like a small town somewhere Mm. and we're just looking for somewhere to have a drink or have some food before soundcheck or after soundcheck just you know one of those things one of those Mm. things where you're like it's the dead time let's just go somewhere and have something and we've walked past the pub and everyone i've been with has been like let's just go in here great and i've had to be like "Mm, i'm sorry too many saint george flags like (laughs) this sort of place i don't think would be as welcoming to me as it would be to you and we've had to go somewhere else because like you get a second sense or a sixth sense you get a number of senses about Mm. that kind of thing and i think that's like yeah it's that's a thing that lots of people in bands don't necessarily think about or haven't had to necessarily think about um also when we go um abroad i have to get to an airport early i have to go through early uh, right. Okay, yeah. Lots of other people don't have to go through early. They can leave it to the last minute, and it's fine. I've almost missed flights because I've gone through at the same time as everyone else, and they've held me back and done extra searches and all all that kind of thing, which you know does happen. Um, and I've I've been you know I've started playing for bands a couple of times and been like, well, I need to be there early. And they'll be no, 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 it'll be fine. And then they steam it and they're like, right, okay, that's the thing we need to do from now on is like get to an airport early. Now that Jay plays with us, 
So it's like it's yeah. it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it is. You know, I mean, because we used to be so. I don't like care. I don't know if you want want even want to talk about this, but like we used to be sort of a bit light-hearted with it. Like, oh, guess which one of us is going to yeah, get the random we did, Yeah, Absolutely, we used to be yeah. very light-hearted about it. But then, yeah. but then it was like it was genuinely like, you know, for, fourth or fifth flight. Yeah. And the random search has happened again. It's, this is genuinely disgusting. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of that thing about like being light-hearted about it. I used to be light-hearted about it because I felt like it was. A, I felt like it was easier for me to fit in with everyone being light-hearted about it, uh, and B, it kind of it, it knocks the sharp edges off when you're light-hearted about it yourself. Yeah, it's a you great coping it mechanism for what's actually exactly. going on. Exactly. Like, I used to be a bit of a fan. This is like, you know, decades ago. I used to be a bit of a fan of ironic racism because it made me feel like I'm taking control of it and, like, I'm being in charge of, of, of this. But you know who really likes ironic racism? Unironic racists. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. they fucking love that shit because it gives them something to hide behind. So now I am, like, I am absolutely against that. And if someone is, is being, like, ironically racist, I'm like, yeah. No, nah, not for me. Not for me, mate. And it's the same with like being lighthearted about that sort of thing. I, I used to be lighthearted about it. I'll still make jokes about it. I'm not like a sourpuss. But it <laughs> is still like pretty fucking... It's galling when it just is like it keeps happening. Uh, and they call it a random search. And you're like, I'm not sure that word means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's random if it's one also... of my friends gets searched. That's when it's random. Yeah, yeah. When I, I remember, actually, your face was a real picture when I was randomly searched once. You loved it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's happened to me as well. Like, one now of my friends got searched. I got through. Yeah, I got through and one of my white friends got searched. And I was just, the biggest grin on my face. Just like, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> but I think it's also been like a bit of a learning curve for some of the bands that I play in. Because obviously, if you're not right. faced with that, you don't see it all the time. You don't. It's just not a thing that you think about. Like, why would you? I'm sure there are sure. The, there are things that I don't think about about what it's like to be a woman um, that they have to think about all the time. So, like, it's been this whole kind of learning process, um, which can only be a good thing, I think, for everyone, everyone involved. Absolutely, I do. Um, I do think honestly, I think, and I think it's been sort of more prevalent in like the last couple of years. Just people talking more openly about not just like race and gender but just everything just people just feeling the freedom to talk about i don't know like women just saying oh menopause and let's, right. let's just talk about it like it's not a thing because it happens yeah you everything's know. become a lot more open i think uh the next generation is going to be okay <laughs> like the I more i so. see of like young kids <laughs> the more i'm like you know what you will talk about anything and be open to anything and that's fucking great it is great like, isn't it you, that's when you see amazing. like like young teenagers that just don't even like if you think about like if we were in like the, the the high street when we were younger and we'd seen an adult wearing something slightly out of the norm we'd be like look at this yeah absolute <laughs> freak all day like, having it yeah teenagers today i don't think they blink at anything not at all i was on the bus uh fairly recently like in, within the last couple of years and a bunch of like a bunch of teenagers came on, and they were causing trouble. They were having fun, but they were causing trouble. And you could see the, the bus being like getting a bit tense, yeah, because um, they're like shouting at each other and like hanging off the the handrail things. And one of them, like as they were shouting to each other, one of them was just like, "Oh, that's so gay!" And one of them just stopped and went, "Don't use gay as a pejorative, man." Oh, that's nice. And they just stopped. They were just like, "Yeah, yeah, fair enough." 
And I was just sitting there. I, I went from, I went from like avoid eye contact. Don't don't like. I hate these people. Avoid eye contact. Just looking at them like love in my eyes. Just like you guys are. You wanted to lift them up on like, your shoulders, yeah. didn't you? I did. I wanted to like do a little lap of the bus with them on my shoulders. Just like these guys are okay. Don't worry, guys. So wow. yeah, I imagine think... hearing that in 2002. That guy, the right? guy that said "don't don't say that" would have been beaten up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and everyone was just like, "Yeah, he's right." Yeah, like, "Yep, fine." Even the That's... guy that said it was like, "Yeah, fair enough, mate." It's like, what? Yeah, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, I think if we don't, you know, blow everything up and all burn to death. The next generation is going to be. Fine. Oh yeah. Oh sorry. Yeah. The world might not survive. Or <laughs> yeah. At least the human race. But, exactly. Uh, I but mean, we, they might just perfect it just before we go. <laughs> yeah. Just like a sweet little last. The last generation yeah, be like, yeah. nailed it. Go out on a high. That's All what out. I'm yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Hell of a swan song. Well, <laughs> like I'm desperately trying to find a way to transition this back to music, but <laughs> we'll get there. So. Uh, <laughs> Right, you've nailed it. Like wherever you go from here, you've nailed it. If you, as long as you say so at the start, exactly, of it, you're absolutely fine. Uh-huh. Uh, what is your look? You've you've like touring and stuff with various different bands. You've pro- you've must have played in some incredible venues. Like what are your? Because we've we've been lucky to play in one or two, maybe good, like quite fun places. But yeah, but do we? I mean, we started this conversation talking about. You know, just at the Albert Hall the other night. That's pretty good. Where, right, where yeah. Else, that was that was pretty good. Right. What 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 really stand out for you? Um, yeah, there've been quite a few. Like, I I am incredibly lucky to have like played in all these places and, and had these because there's there's this thing, there's this weird thing where um, your memory of a place might at least this happens for me anyway. My memory of a place is so specific to where I'm, I'm like standing on stage like I don't get an overall overview hmm. so I remember the the first really big gig I did was at a festival in Germany um sessioning for for Gabby for Gabby Young actually and there was this part in the set where um we were talking to the audience and like the guitarist on the other side of the stage would say one thing to the audience and then me on the other side of the stage would say something else to the audience and we'd get them to like have this interaction with us. We'd split the audience down the middle and we'd get them to have an interaction with us. And because, you know, you're on stage, the lights are in your face, you can't really see how many people are there. Um, mm. You can see maybe the first, I don't know, 10 to 50 rows, depending on, on what the lighting is like. And it was at night. So Stephen on the other side of the stage, he, he started talking to the audience and he got them to, to like shout things back and then it came onto my side of the audience and, and my side of the audience when I started talking to them and I asked them to shout things back the lighting engineer put the lights up as they shouted back and I could see it was like that thing at Glastonbury where you can see campfires in the distance but like they're oh. really in the distance because I would like I think there was like 20-25,000 people there which isn't as many as there is in the Glastonbury crowd, crowd mm. but it was still like holy shit and like <laughs> they put the lights up as they shouted at me and I genuinely got pushed back a little bit and then had a little moment of like oh there I, there's a video of it and I'm just like oh there are a lot of you <laughs> just like genuinely like thrown by it so that's like a that's a really strong memory I don't have much memory of the the actual gig because again, the lights were back in our faces and we were interacting with each other and, and maybe the first 10 rows because that's all you can really see. But sure. at that point where it was just like, oh, fuck, there are a lot of you. That's insane. That yeah. was that was a really good one. Um, and I played at the um, Copenhagen Royal Arena with Bright Light, Bright Light. 
when we were supporting Erasure on tour. And that was... Oh, man, that must have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was incredible. I mean, just, like, we would literally just go and have, like, a little dance um, to Erasure because everyone knows every Erasure song. Like, when I first went on that <laughs> tour, I was like, I think I know, like, a lot of respect. I, I, I know a yeah. bunch of their songs. I don't think I know them all. And Rod, the, who's Bright Light, Bright Light, was like, yeah, yeah you'll know them all. And, um, <laughs> as, like, on the first, the first gig, I was just like... Yeah, I can sing along to every single one of these, and I don't yeah, even yeah, know yeah. where in my brain they live. But like, I know all of these songs. Yeah. So back, we would three years old, back of the car, radio twos on. Like that, like yeah, that one's implanted. Exactly. Yeah. That's gone in at like an impressionable age, and it will yeah. never leave. Apparently. So yeah, that was yeah, yeah. that was kind of lovely being on tour with them, and then um, yeah, that last night it was the very last night of the the tour that we were doing as well, and it was Copenhagen Royal Arena, and the same thing. Like I've got a video of of Rod. Um, literally saying to the audience I'll give you one two three then just give me a big cheer and the lighting engineer was clearly like great I'm going to do this and like put the lights up and it's like an arena so you've got all the people at the bottom and then you've got all the people around the sides and all the people at the back and it was just like oh shit (laughs) that is like genuinely like that has taken my breath away a little bit and I was just I was just playing synth on that one so I got to i didn't have a microphone i didn't have to interact with the audience at all and if i don't have to interact with an audience i very often don't i very often don't even look at them like i'm fine with that because all the fun stuff for me is on stage it's the other musicians it's like going up to the drummer if i'm playing bass and like having that interaction so this was i was very much i was facing in so i was facing rod and i was facing the drummer and then when we did that i got to look out and suddenly you get a little reminder of where you are and what you're doing because that's the thing I'm always trying to forget on stage like where I am and what I'm doing just like do it and have the fun and yeah I suddenly was just like shit I am <laughs> I am in Copenhagen in what they are calling the Royal Arena and I can see why it was just like yeah okay this is this is a thing so it's like little flashes of things like that uh, are things that kind of stick with you like I don't remember anything about that gig at all apart from that that one moment um, yeah man and I think that's true of, of a lot of things. I mean, some of my favourite gigs, like long-lasting gig memories, have been much, much smaller venues. Um, sure. And, like, I, I, in a way, kind of prefer those as gigs. I think there's more interaction on stage, there's more interaction with the audience because you get to have that immediate back and forth with them, um, whether you look at them or not. But <laughs> Yeah. Like and in a big place, in a big arena, you've got like a huge gap between you and the front row, and even that is like sometimes insurmountable. You're just playing to yourselves and hoping that it goes across. Um, oh wow, really? Yeah, I think so. I think so. If it's like if there's, you know, if they've got like that space where the security um, guards are, and like, yeah, then you've got that. Especially at festivals, like if you play at, um, at the the main stage on festivals, you feel so disconnected from the audience. It's just... I, I always, whenever I see footage of, uh, is it Reading Festival that has that insane right. gap? Yeah. yeah, it's massive. Yeah, gap, yeah. So, we, so uh, I mean, if you're the headliner, I don't. Can you even see the crowd? I mean, this is why I think a lot of, if you watch a lot of headline acts, they always at some point are like, "Can you put the lights on the audience for us?" Like, there's always right, a, sure. a moment where they're like, "We want to see the people, please," because I think mm. you can you can feel like you're playing to just a black curtain um a lot of the time that's all i want um, that's all i want 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's fair enough. It'll be perfect for you, Keon. It'll be like absolutely perfect. You won't get to know anything. And when they do put the lights on, just close your eyes, mate. I don't just close your eyes so you don't have to see it. People don't yeah. want to interact with me. I don't need to interact with them. <laughs> it's, it's the perfect deal for everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, and then you wonder why, why codes in the clouds haven't quite made it into the mainstream because Kieran says things like, I don't want to deal with you. <laughs> Thanks to Jay for that fascinating chat. And well done, Joe and Kieran, for not embarrassing yourselves and us again. <laughs> Anytime. By extension. Well done, guys. Yeah, I love that he just started writing his new album just because he can actually fulfill the contractually obligated 50 minutes of stage time. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I don't, oh, do you know what? I thought of it, but I didn't want to bring it up at the time. But do you remember when we played in uh, Netherlands on our first tour? And so we had the Paper Canyon, our first album, which was, what, 38 minutes. And then we had, I think, maybe two other songs that we were playing on that tour. And we were also playing them way too fast. Oh, yeah. So really, fast. It really, we had about 35 minutes set. And <laughs> we didn't realise until afterwards we'd, been, uh, we'd signed a contract for 80 minutes. Well, and then mad, the, the guy was like... Uh, okay, well, I've, I've changed it to 60, but you guys, it's like making <laughs> us feel bad as he's playing it. And then, Steve, you won't like this memory, but this this was the guy we went back to, like, he had this massive house, and the next morning he made us all breakfast, and it was this beautiful, lovely Was that when we, when we accidentally left him in the van? We accidentally... Well... I, I, Steve's, I think mm. Steve's going to take issue with the word accidentally there but like, Steve chose to slay, stay in the van cause, and it was very cold outside and we were like okay mate no worries then we get into the house and realise we've all got our own bedroom and a lovely big breakfast to wake up to and uh, Steve I think you were delighted the next day when, when that well, happened he was. I had a right adventure that night you say like, I chose to stay in the van as if I was just, just doing it for a laugh I was doing it to help you guys yeah. yeah, I was going through a sinus period of, of issues. I was doing a, bit of <laughs> a sinus period. A bit of snoring <laughs> was happening. So you I, were, you, I, no, Steve, you were peak sinus. At that I, because because <laughs> I am a socialist. Yeah, I think yeah. Of the, the whole and the collective. I'll stay in the van. Yeah. Because I'm a yeah. socialite, I like a big, lovely breakfast to myself. <laughs> well, you didn't suggest that on any other tour after that. When those sinus listen, I've, I've spent many a night in the van while while you guys went into a place. But some in in most places, the van is then preferable to some of the places. Yeah, no, stayed. that's that's also true. This is yeah, this is this is our yeah. first tour, and in fact, this was our first like long European tour, and we only had what two or three actual headline shows. The rest of that tour was with the brilliant PG Lost. Um, so yeah, so we, so we but we, so we definitely weren't used to headlining a show and then getting given a feast the next morning. Yeah, it's and just, also we weren't used to getting paid in full. There was a <laughs> I was with I was money. accosted by a, a dog on the street <laughs> with, without an owner. It was I think he clocked I was in there for some reason. He didn't leave the van alone. <laughs> Could smell you through that the metal. I had to go somewhere to go to the toilet. Where did you go to the toilet? Not that think, yeah. far from the van. Okay. <laughs> well, I was hoping. At least it was outside. It's not the in the van, though. No, it wasn't in the van. Okay, yeah. that's fine then. But um, as far as I can recall, you're the only one of us to ever offer to sleep in the van. 
Well, like mm. I said. And it made me wonder, what is he getting up to in these nights? I'm for the group. But yeah, the, the reason we we fell short on, on that set was because that was in our period of playing live, like, mega, mega fast. We were punk rock kids. Yeah. We need to listen back to some of those recordings which we have done in the past. It's a bit. It's almost a bit embarrassing. Yeah, is it ta- how Tower, Tower Records in Ireland? Oh, yeah, that's on YouTube if you want to look no, for that, listeners. For that's... That. Uh, I mean, it's bad. well, it's bad. Yeah, it would be over quick. Though. It would be over much quicker. That's true. That's very if true. If you just like quite like us, but not a lot, go and listen to that because you have to put a bit as long, but you can still hear yeah. it at the same time. Well, Steve, I am sorry about uh, no, you know about that incident, but you know, <laughs> as they as they say, Steve, keep your friends close. Uh, but your paper crane's closer. You didn't oh. see it coming that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's a sim- it's simple. It's Route One stuff. Simple. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm running out.